0: So we've been rolling through Luke since December, and we come this week to, to one of those stories that is likely familiar to you. This is, this is one of those stories there is much more to say about than you know one sermon can contain, or a hundred sermons for that matter. And it's one of those unique stories that I, I believe many folks uh, around us who are not yet following and being formed by Jesus, they believe they know. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, we know that one, right? There's a Good Samaritan law that protects uh, anyone who's attempting to give reasonable assistance to someone who is hurting and in trouble. I've been with my wife, Leslie Ann, who is a nurse when we have happened to to be the first on the scene of an accident, and she was bound by her vocation to, to lend assistance as the first medical professional on the scene. So, this term good Samaritan, it it is familiar. But remember, these parables, while while familiar, they house deeper meanings. Jesus is getting at something, something that is continually hard for those without ears to hear to comprehend. So first let's let's talk about this story. A good Samaritan. The the heading would promote a chuckle from many hearers of Jesus' parable here in Luke ten. Uh, A good Samaritan to the Jew was an oxymoron, a a laughable term as unrealistic um, as a short and sweet preacher. (laughs) But in Jesus's story, the Samaritan aided a Jew who had been wounded and and left for dead by thieves, therefore um, was denoted good and, and, and furthermore understood to be a neighbor to the one dying. You see, there was a centuries long, like eight centuries dispute between Jews and Samaritans. Now, A.J. Levine, professor of New Testament theology at Vandy, is quick to point out the vitriol between these two groups. They were bitter enemies. The Samaritans, they hailed from Samaria, and they actually shared a common heritage with the Jews. They were not that different, you might say, but different cleanliness laws developed among the Samaritans, leaving the two groups just assuming each other was very dirty and very wrong. So they avoided contact with one another. The Samaritans actually believed they were the rightfully chosen people of God. So this obviously put them at odds with the Jews. The Jews were happy to reciprocate the animus. Now in verse 29, we, we see the text tell us the, the lawyer wanted to be right, to be right. So file that away. We'll come back to it. So, So Jesus tells a story about a man traveling on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, which If you've been there, you know it's a steep, rocky, rather treacherous path, I'm told. A path that it would not be uncommon for thieves to to hide along and and rob people, which is what has happened in in Jesus' story here. I I remember being in San Francisco with with Leslie Anna a couple of years into our marriage, and it was a really, really fun trip. But uh, one of the nights we were there, we were on a dark street, After dark, And I had run across the street to check on something for her about a store when it opened in the the next morning. And I noticed someone was walking toward her, and I hurried back across the the street. And as as he passed us, he kind of chuckled. It was pretty eerie. I I think he may have been trying to to rob us. Well, the first two passers-by in Jesus' story, the priest and the Levite, they don't stop to tend to the person beaten. Now, maybe they had their reasons, but the context of the story suggests they should have stopped. But it was the enemy, the Samaritan, who did stop, who took pity, who had compassion, who who offered medicine in the form of wine and skin balm in the form of oil, who who offered housing. He, He went the extra mile to care for the one he was supposed to hate. And then Jesus changes the original question with his his answer to the lawyer's question, who is my neighbor? Jesus asked, who proved to be the neighbor to the person in trouble? And the lawyer answers correctly, even though he cannot bring himself to even utter the word Samaritan. We've been doing a lot of uh, helping our kids with their schoolwork, more than usual. In this virtual school environment and it was it was causing me to remember that you know as a student i really liked math i, I was actually as i remember and th- this may be a bit of a fish story but i don't think it is i was pretty good in a, as a math student at least through most of school but even back as early as middle school i can remember enjoying um taking a formula or, or two expressions or a, a problem uh, taking a formula to a problem and applying it to it, so I could get the right answer you know and what i what I became good at though was was getting that right answer using the formula without thinking much about what was really going on with the numbers and we would learn application in mathematics through word problems, right remember. And when I think back on that, I remember not being as strong in those word problems, or at least I didn't like them as much. And ultimately, I ran into uh, upper level calculus and my lack of ability to apply what was going on to, to see the whole picture, it finally caught up with me. Here's the deal. Knowing the right answer and following through in, G, you know, in, in following Jesus are two very different things. I think we see the lawyer really wanting Jesus to see that he has the right answers. And perhaps he felt justified in the fact that Jesus affirms his answers both times. But but knowing the right answer and following through and following Jesus are two very different things. The second question is, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers it with a question ultimately, but not before he tells the story the story that forms the context for the question that Jesus asks, And it occurs to me that the parable, the story that Jesus tells is a bit like a, a math word problem in this way. Jesus is showing how the truth behind the answers to the question the lawyer asks, how, how the truth plays out in the world. And it seems to me that this lawyer is a bit like me in math, has the right answers, but is really pretty clueless about how those answers apply. He asks two good questions, but it, but it seems like he, he does so in a bad spirit, like he's, like he's trying to show Jesus, uh, Jesus who has been wowing the crowds throughout Luke up to this point with his teaching, he's trying to show Jesus that, that he's pretty smart too. You see, asking questions to gain a spiritual advantage over someone on, that's no mark of someone who is following and being formed by Jesus. And neither is asking questions with, with no real intention of taking to heart the answers and employing them in our lives. That will eventually get you a C minus in Calc 2. Having the right answers does not mean you know God. And being a Christian is not solely to say you are one. So if the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life, has ever occurred to you, great, ask it, but be ready for the answer. And if you truly want to know just just who is our neighbor, great, but be ready for the answer and what it asks of us. In both cases, Jesus tells the lawyer to, to go and to do. And in both of these cases, Jesus affirms the lawyer's answer and then says, and go and do likewise. Fleming Rutledge is a super gifted theologian and preacher. She, she once said this, it is a terrible misunderstanding of the gospel to think that it offers us salvation while relieving us of responsibility for the life of the world, for the, for the sin and the sorrow and pain with which our human life and that of our fellow men and women are so deeply interwoven. I love this quote from Fleming Rutledge. But I also understand the tension here. As my buddy Matt Pearson pointed out to me recently, we have to be careful in how we expound on, on such a beautiful expression as this quote of our faith because we don't want to give off the impression to anyone searching, anyone who is yet to follow and, and begin being formed by Jesus that in meeting this great responsibility for us, that we have uh, this great responsibility we have in the world, that it will garner for us salvation. Rather, salvation is the catalyst for living into this responsibility. But just as the fruit produced reveals where the good soil is from our story last week, someone who is truly following Jesus will love their neighbor as they love themselves. Peter John Gomez was an American preacher and theologian, the the plumber professor of Christian morals at Harvard Divinity School. And he asks us to keep in mind that that Jesus does not bid the lawyer to love the Samaritan for what the Samaritan did. Jesus asks the lawyer to do what the Samaritan did and to do it for love. You see, this is the problem with racism. The racism that existed between Samaritans and Jews, the racism that exists, existed between Jews and Gentiles, and the racism that exists between white and black. To put someone or some group off as, as less than reveals that we ourselves are still lacking something. We, we feel less loved than we would like to be. So, so we deem them less lovely than we are. And we feel more loved, at least more loved than them. But to follow and be formed by Jesus, to, to have inherited eternal life is to know that we are infinitely loved by God and that we lack nothing. And therefore we can love and serve our neighbor, who is literally anyone, everyone. One of the most jarring stories I've, I've heard from the civil rights era involved a black mother and her 12-year-old son. Now, I have a 12-year-old son. And this young man, a diabetic, he got very ill. His blood sugar skyrocketed and he needed emergency care immediately. It was very serious, but it was treatable. And fortunately, they were four miles from a hospital where they lived, unfortunately that particular hospital only served white people. The nearest hospital that would care for her son was 80 miles away. He died en route. Now, at first glance, I really don't understand how something like this could have ever happened. How did we ever think that 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 was okay or even right? But then I remember that the priest and the Levite, they just passed on by. And And I know we still today have so much to learn, so much more to learn about how, how we can love each other as neighbors, as Christ loves us. So let's keep leaning into the doing. Sure. It doesn't, it doesn't save us, but Jesus took care of that. And Jesus is not done saving. And we have been called to be a part of this doing. So be open to what God is asking of you and let's not be satisfied simply knowing it because God acted while we were still enemies, sinners. God sent Jesus to live and to die for us. God drew near to us and continues to. And yes, knowing this and following Jesus who is near us are two very different things, but both are vitally important. The Samaritan knew It was right to help his neighbor, and he did it. Now go and do likewise.